Welcome to the Psych and Business Podcast, where we highlight the integration of psychology and psychological principles into the world of business and organizations. I'm your host, Dr. Ernest Wade. I'm really excited for you to meet our guest today. Uh, his name is Dr. Greg Pennington, and he's a managing partner of Pinpoint Consulting Group, where he works with global senior leaders to help them achieve success. Uh, Greg is also an accomplished author. His most recent book titled Your Leadership Signature helps leaders become the most effective leaders they can be. Now, I know Greg personally, and I can tell you that he's also a really great artist uh, and also is into martial arts. So hopefully we'll talk about how all of those integrate to make him successful. So, uh, Greg, welcome to the show. Well, Dr. Wade, it's my, my pleasure to join you with this conversation we're about to have. So thanks for uh, reaching out to me, and I'm, I'm more than thrilled and excited to have this opportunity to talk talk with you. Well, Greg, I, I appreciate you being on the show, and I've been really wanting to talk to you for a while because I think you're one of the most interesting people I know. So uh, first, I always like to kick off by telling us, how did you end up in the world of business, especially because I know you have a lot of varying interests? Well, it's, it's an interesting question. And, and um, you know, when you look backwards, it looks like it's a little bit more planned <laughs> as opposed to opportunistic. But I would say the intentional part is when I got interested in psychology, I was pretty quickly interested in how to how to apply it in an effort to get people to be more effective. Mm -hmm. And so that made me look around and say, well, where do you spend most of your time? Meaning on earth, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you spend a certain amount of time at home, you spend a certain amount of time in school, and then people get up and go to work. Yep. And then 30, 40, 50 years later, they say, oh, I'm, I'm done with this work. So <laughs> I thought, if there's anything truthful about psychology in a sense of um, understanding how people interact and work and how groups of people interact and work, uh, if there's anything about that that we actually knew that was supposed to be helpful in understanding and predicting it, then where else where else could you give it away? Mm -hmm. And one of those places is we need to figure out how to give this stuff away in this area where most people spend a huge amount of their lives. Mm -hmm. you know, we say business, but take more broadly work settings. Yeah. So I think early on I was interested in giving psychology away, what people now call applied psychology. And then um, I probably start seeing a little bit more and more about, you know, leadership and how do you get people to do things, what motivates them. So most of my early work was in motivation, mm -hmm. and particularly around uh, the need for power. And there's a lot of stuff out there that would argue that, you know, it's one time we thought leaders were driven by this this uh, motivation to, uh, for high achievement. Mm -hmm. But then there's interesting research that says it's really effective leaders are driven by this need for power. So that's really and interesting. So the research yeah. is showing that motivation for, for to become a leader is for the need for power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now, if you say that because that word is so loaded, right? So mm -hmm. if I, when I've done workshops about leadership and, and you know, why are you, why are you a leader and what, what gets you up in the morning? You know, not so, not so much what keeps you up at night, but what gets you up out of bed? Yeah. And you say, I'll give you three choices. Do you think you're driven by the need for affiliation? Do you think you're driven by the need for achievement? Or do you think you're driven by the need for power? Mm. Now, it's a very rare for somebody in public to say, I have this high need for power. <laughs> <clears throat> which I, I realized when I took this, um, 
you know, tests and undergraduate that, dang, I got a high need for power. And then mm-hmm. my mama said, don't be acting like you better than other folks. <laughs> so I think early on I started twist, I mean, renaming that, you know, um, Dr. Wade into uh, the need for influence. Mm-hmm. And so if you were to define leadership as the intentional uh, influence of the way people think, feel, and do, then that's pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, what do I do? What can I do to get you to come to work? What can I do to get you to sit over here? Mm-hmm. What can I do to make uh, convince you it's worthwhile doing some extra stuff? And so it's this influence piece, if you don't like to name power, yeah. but it's influence. And then I think, you know, it's kind of intriguing to me also to, um, you know, challenge somebody in a position of leadership, power, authority. Mm-hmm challenge them to think about what do you do with it so it's really more this responsibility for of of a power and i sort of substitute that when people say privilege right there's a privilege one has to be ceo or supervisor or team leader yeah there's a privilege that goes into that so it's not do you have it or should you have it and one question is what do you do with it yeah and so the influence piece you know, for me, from from undergraduate to my my graduate uh, dissertation, and then more in the application area, it was really around if you fundamentally have this need to influence people. You know, are you doing it for personal gain, or are you doing it for broader gain, societal mm-hmm. gain? So, is the need for personal power? Arguably, you say, oh, that's that has some downsides. Yeah. But the need for social power, you know, I can I can say something. And because of my reputation, brand, or or image, or by title as well, I can say some things that have a greater impact on what people do in response. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then if I add a few other things, like I can give away some things like money, yeah, you know, and it has an impact on. So, it's, what do you do with that? What do you do? What do I do with my social capital? What do I do with my positional power, title? Mm-hmm. What do I do with my relationship? power or influence. And if I have all that and don't use it, that's a waste. Yeah. I, you know, I, I love what you're saying because firstly, you're starting off where you talked about giving psychology away. This is the kind of thing yeah. that I love to do because I'm constantly thinking about these things, right? And and this is the, the opportunity to share with others the psychology of leadership, you know, is what we're talking about here, right? And yeah. so uh, even as you're talking, I'm reflecting on myself and thinking about myself. And I think to myself, you know, as a leader, one of the things that I that I, that I want is control, right? So I'm always mm-hmm. thinking about control, controlling my environment, but as a leader, I'm also controlling other people's environment. And so then it becomes yeah. internal control, but external responsibility for other people and their their environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's not unlike, you see, my, my degree is actually in clinical psychology. Mm-hmm. So it's not unlike what clinicians need to appreciate uh, in the sense of, I, I as a clinician, I as a therapist have a huge amount of, power mm-hmm. that includes me being um, responsible for protecting my clients. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so the, that notion of, like you said, creating this environment that makes it optimal for people to be as effective as possible. Mm-hmm. And so I, if I don't recognize that um, some people are going to react to me saying, hello, Dr. Wade, or some people are going to react to me saying, what's up, Earn? Mm-hmm. You know, some people are going to react to... Uh, What's your name again? I mean, yeah. I have these little bits and pieces of things that I do to impact your climate in the moment. 
Mm-hmm. We had a lot of colleagues, you and I, that work on culture. Mm-hmm. One of the challenges in, in framing it around organizational culture is that uh, most of those folks will agree that it's, it's at least five years before you substantially change culture because the mm-hmm. definitions almost always include there's a little bit of this, a little bit of this, it's the way we do things. It's just pretty broad. So if I can get a leader, if you and I can get a leader to say, if if you only minimally contribute to the organization's mm-hmm. culture, please understand that you maximally impact that person's day-to-day climate. Yeah, I, I, I love what you're saying there in terms of contributing to the culture. I, I've been thinking about um, one of the things, you know, as a leader, how you contribute to an environment. And one of the things that I've been I've been working with a client and trying to get them to understand is that as a leader, you have a different role um, in the organization. And so it's really important to understand and appreciate the role that you have yeah. and the influence that you have. You know, yeah. uh, you can you can try to be friends with your with your employees, but you are still the boss, right? And and they whatever whatever you do, you will always be the boss. So I really appreciate what you're saying there. I know you do a lot of work with leadership development. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the work that you've done in that environment? Yeah. So when I say leadership development, <clears throat> I'm separate. I mean, there's a broad umbrella about leadership development. So if someone asks me, what do I do? Mm-hmm. And I really usually talk about, uh, describe it as being a leadership development consultant. Mm. So one part of that is the executive coaching. So think I always think of that as the one-on-one. Yeah. So when I say leadership development, I'm talking about the one-on-many, uh, the classroom stuff. That, so it might be targeted leadership development with a group, like a high potential group. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I had a client where we had a program called Women in Beer. So it was obviously in the beverage industry. And so we take that whole target population of women and the company trying to increase the number of women at, at the next level. Mm-hmm. Uh, similarly targeted programs for people of color and financial industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the broader one would be the high potential ones. Some ongoing work with uh, leaders in academia. Um, so one group that's worked with leaders in STEM in academia, mm-hmm. another one more general leaders like um, department chairs and um, associate deans and deans. So that's the broad catchment around the leadership development. Mm-hmm. And I would say that uh, uh, there's a theme, there's a common theme to all of them. And I'm pausing because the truth is I, I don't have anything that I would say comes off the shelf, mm-hmm. like a prepackaged leadership development goes through all these phases. So it's always to me important to say what's what's going on in this industry, what's going on in this company, what are the other things you're doing around talent management, and leadership development overall, mm-hmm. because the leadership development programs all need to be integrated, right? We don't want to yeah, yeah. we don't want you using one language in one program or one instrument in one program, and then I introduce another one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the com- so there's a commonality about how does it line up with the overall strategy. There is another commonality for me that really tries to find a place to say, uh, why in the world are you doing this? What's mm-hmm. your why? Mm-hmm. Right? So what's, and some of that opens up the door about the discussion about the motivation. Mm-hmm. So what drives you, what drove you to choose this avenue for achieving the mission, personal mission that you have? Because it doesn't really matter if I'm a financial analyst or, mm-hmm. you know, a nuclear engineer. Um, to me, it doesn't matter because that's that's a venue for doing some things that are much more intrinsic. Mm-hmm. So all my leadership development programs, if it's all up to me, it's going to start off with why are, Why do you do the things you do? 
Mm-hmm. And then uh, those that have those leadership development programs that are focused on teams, it may also include what do you think makes a team? You know, we can just we can just all coincidentally be at the bus stop and that's sort of this, you know, coincidental moment in time with people in close proximity. Yeah, and then the maybe there's this thing called a group. Mm-hmm. Right. So then there's this thing called a team. And what is, what are the differentiators of, of those kind of gatherings. Yeah. And sometimes people don't pause to think about that. So huge amount of time centered around what's the target? Do we want to operate like a group? Do we need to operate like individuals? What's the added advantage of us operating as a team? Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing about that, you know, uh, Ernest, is that uh, I think, especially by the time we're working with people in, in corporations, they already have this whole backlog of examples that they experience with leaders and or groups or teams. So whatever my our researcher colleagues would say, yeah. you know, I think that this is my clinic clinical background speaking. <laughs> I think that all the statistic that we really deal with is one. You know, what's true about you? Mm-hmm. I can use the the broad, you know, nomothetic stuff around, you know, black Americans or or people in finance or mm-hmm. some of those broad gatherings. This sort of informs the framework, mm-hmm. but fundamentally the question is, what are you doing? Yeah. And what is this team doing? So if we don't pause and say, um, before I do Lencioni's five behaviors mm-hmm. you know, for teams, before I even get into that, I need to pull out of them, uh, what's an example for you of when you were on a team that functioned well? Yeah. And what was your contribution? Because that's their bias. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I remember this team and, you know, they just let me do my thing. Meanwhile, somebody at the cross the table with them and saying, I remember this high performing team and uh, I was the one who set the agenda and I was one that drove it. And, you know, I've got, so it's totally different. Yeah. So whatever the research is saying or whatever my model is saying, we've got to work through. You've got 20 years of experience mm-hmm. that said to you, I'm actually doing pretty well with this stuff. So the why part, you know, the definition of, of what we have here. Uh, or what we're trying to become. Uh, my background from the motivation stuff, we always use thematic analysis. So, and a version of that would be critical incidents, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm always trying to gather what are three examples of an effective leader that you work with? Mm-hmm, or what mm-hmm. are three examples when you were at your best? Or yeah. what are three examples of, go on. So the, the point of that is to put out a theme. And sometimes when people say, well, well I had this boss and, um, you know, it didn't go well, and I left because we couldn't see eye to eye. And then my next boss, things start off well, and they didn't go well because we couldn't see eye to eye. Mm-hmm. And then before they say the third one, they say, oh, is there a pattern here? Yeah. Well, yeah, there's a pattern here. You, you're the pattern. So it's a lot of those pieces, I would say the other core of it is what I would call leadership effectiveness moments. And um, a recent group I work with, we, we call them team effectiveness moments. And they were just a real simple design that said, um, given the fact in, as a team or given the fact as a growing leader, mm-hmm. I have to work on being much more effective handling conflict. Yeah. Right. So we did all that academic stuff with all that personal experience stuff. Now we're getting into this action stuff, which is uh, think of an upcoming moment in which you will be more effective if you are better able to handle the conflict that we were talking about. Hmm. So I want them to grab a real live upcoming event 
and then talk about it, write it out. What's what's going what's the situation? What would be my goal in that situation? What are going to be some uh, strengths I can rely on? What are going to be some challenges I have to go through? What are some steps I'm going to take? And then again, in this whole leadership development, yeah. either in pairs, triads, or small tables, you're using this peer coaching, you know, uh, vehicle mm-hmm. of saying that okay, here's my situation. I walk it through, and then I'm using a peer to say. Well, why do you think that that's that's all the options? Have you thought about this? So yeah. some calibration and challenge from others mm-hmm. that becomes. <clears throat> so when people talk about measurements of outcome, that's really for me the critical measurement of outcome. Mm. I get someone on the team, the whole team, in this upcoming uh, 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 leadership program, leadership offsite we're doing, but also the the individual leadership development stuff. They, if you ask me the impact of it. I think you have to go and ask the participants, what did you do as a consequence of this leadership development program? Mm -hmm. And I want them to say, well, I had this meeting that was coming up. I knew if I just told the people what to do in my usual directive style, then I'm going to get a little bit of compliance. I'm going to get a little bit of passive compliance. I'm going to get a lot of resistance. And because I chose to do it slightly differently, suddenly everybody was on board. Mm-hmm. Or instead of us taking us six weeks to implement it, we actually got to implement it in four weeks. So those are the things that I think are really the substantive, you know, outcomes and impact measures. And you know, other people measure it in different ways for and for valid reasons that are more broad measurements. But if I go back again to, I have one person in front of me, or one uh, boss uh, employee relationship, or one team, they're the ones going to say. What did we do? Mm-hmm, They're not mm-hmm. going to necessarily have in front of them. We actually gained, yeah. you know, as a whole institution, you know, we increased our revenue by 10%. That's associated. Mm-hmm. That's results. What yeah. we do as psychology, we're trying to manage the behavior mm-hmm. that may have some downstream effect that's measurable in, in um, uh, uh, financial terms or business yeah. terms. But I think our focus is on behavior. Yeah. Yeah. I, lo- I love the way that you're, you're phrasing this and th- that you're you're describing your approach. You really it sounds like you really start with building that self-awareness uh, for the client, because even as you're asking them these questions, you know, people don't sit around generally and think, well, what's the best team I ever sat on and, and what how did I, what what role did I play? Yeah. So you're building that self-awareness for them and then getting them yeah. to think about what you know, how, how did I participate in that team? How is that team effective? And then yeah. using using the cohort to really help to learn how to give feedback and receive feedback, right? And when yeah. they when they when yeah. they give suggestions, so I love that approach that you're that you're using there. Uh, now, Greg, I know you also have your book, your lead your leadership signature, right? And I know that yeah. it's it's meant to help leaders be most effective. Can you talk a little bit about the book and, and what's in there? Sure, it's really in print what I just said for the last few minutes. So <laughs> I thought, so I thought, um, probably I probably self published it and. 2020. And the drive for that was that it was on my list to publish a book. And someone told me who's a prolific and writer said, for most people, the goal in writing a book should be to write a book. Mm-hmm. So don't, don't exaggerate, don't get carried <laughs> away. So I called, you know, the Amazon folks and said, just, just print it and send it and it'll be called published. Mm-hmm. Right. But the, the real serious part about it, Ernest, was I thought, so what would I say? 
And I thought, well, I've been saying it for a while. Mm -hmm. So how would I capture and print a lot of what I was just alluding to with you? Right. And when I think about leadership, um, let's slow down in the book. Let's slow down and say, how will we define it, first of all? Mm-hmm. And so this is how I would define it. So that's part of the, you know, the chapter in that. Um, the title is really driven from having. I think at the time I was working with this um, this group that that included um, uh, MBA students from historically black colleges, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we were in New York. They were getting immersed into this um, Wall Street firm you know, with potential uh, opportunities to be hired. Mm-hmm. And I was walking to one venue with this this uh, young black male. And he said, well, Dr. P, I, you know, if 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 uh, I have to be a leader like so-and-so, mm-hmm. you know, to be at this company, I don't know if that fits me, mm. right? And so the rest of our walk was centered around, oh, well, what would it look like? What would its leadership look like for you? Yeah. I mean, what would be your signature? You know, what if you were hired there, you know, what would be uh, what would people say was, you know, when when um, Ernest Wade was the leader of this group, this is what he left behind. Mm-hmm. That has mm-hmm. it may be an overlap to what uh, Greg Pennington did as your predecessor. Yeah. But what's your signature? What are you going to land in there? What are you going to leave behind? So that was the broad push for it. And then I just went through uh, when I coach people. What do I go through with that? And mm-hmm. so all of the chapters follow essentially how one might experience me coaching them. Mm-hmm. And so the same thing that you just referred to, that after you go definition in the book, it's really around, um, you know, you already have this definition, operating definition. Yeah. So think for a moment about the uh, leaders that were significant for you. And so the book alternates between here's broadly the way to approach it, Mm-hmm. And then I will say, here's my here are my examples. Mm-hmm. Here are the three people that come to mind for me as leaders, and they strike me this way. This is how I would describe them. And then I step back and invite the reader to step back and say, what themes jump out for you? Yeah. And now you go do it. So it's a book, but if you read some of the reviews, people will acknowledge, and I acknowledge in the beginning that it's really a workbook. Mm-hmm. And I asked my son, who's thirty seven now, I said, uh. You know, son, did you read the? Did you read my book? And he said, um, "You mean the one where you got to do all this work?" <laughs> <laughs> so I said, At least he's gotten the point, right? And then I have had people say, um, <clears throat> "Well, I have had people say, well, I don't want to write in the book.'" And I said, "Well, buy two books." <laughs> so it's really a workbook, and all of what I would say, I describe them as pathways, Ernest. Mm-hmm. Well. So if you want to talk about your definition of leadership, one pathway mm-hmm. is to recall ex- actual examples for you. Yeah. There's another part in there that talks about the, the uh, like we said earlier about the motivation, so the power mm-hmm. stuff. So I would ask, give me some examples of when you influence someone. And then you step back and say, are you driven by power or influence? Are you driven by chief? It's not right or wrong. It's just understanding that here's the primary driver for me. Yeah. And then there's a section in there about... Um, you know, one of the real important things about a leader is being able to think strategically. Yeah. And then I find from a coaching standpoint that many people may get feedback about, are you not strategic enough? Mm-hmm. And then they don't ask, what do you mean by strategic? So yeah. at least try to define strategic in, a, in an operational way 
one of the tangible pieces of that is uh, in order for me to be strategic, I have to have enough data points, enough puzzle pieces. Mm -hmm. Someone told me enough pixels, like in the resolution on the screen. I have to have enough ingredients to be able to see the patterns. Mm -hmm. And one I push the one thing I push is that one of those ingredients is the information that you take in. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. from a from a uh, concrete standpoint, the books talks about uh, what is where do you get your inputs from? Where do you get your data pieces from? Mm-hmm. So in the last few weeks or months, I forget the time frame. You know, what have you been reading? What have you been accessing? Yeah, yeah. And if you were to share that list for to yourself or to others, what does it say about you as a leader? Mm-hmm. Part of that, from a real practical standpoint, I have worked with leaders, particularly in technical areas, that would say, well, only t- only time I have to read is reading technical manuals. Mm. So then you think, and they were talking about technical manuals, the person I'm thinking of, talking about technical manuals within his, their industry and within their company. Yeah. And part of the push for them from a coaching standpoint was to be more strategic. So it's like bingo, da-da. You know, mm-hmm. if you're not reading right. at least by your competitors' yeah. technical manuals, or about industry broader themes, mm-hmm. you just don't have the two puzzle pieces to put together. Right. So it goes for a lot of things like that. Of um, here's a here's an ingredient of leadership. You know, here's my example of how I looked at myself. You know, what's your journey along the way? Here's an exercise, like my son said, the work mm-hmm. you got to do some work. <laughs> yeah. Here's the work you could do to further refine that that pathway. Mm-hmm. And yep. then there's a chapter about. Um, fully utilizing your resources. That's where at least get to talk about diversity, for instance. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. So challenge people to say, of all the direct people that re- work for you, um, describe them, the most preferred ones, the least preferred ones. What are some themes that jump out? So sort mm-hmm. of push them to say, well, I usually talk to people that I know. I usually talk to people who have the same degree, yeah. went to the same school, look like, all that stuff. Because of the core piece of it for, from a leader standpoint, I would argue is, uh, you have been charged to fully utilize all of your resources. Yeah, I love the way that you're describing this. I, I, you know, the, you're talking about this book really allows people to evaluate their leadership uh, ecosystem, right? You're, you're looking internally, you're looking externally. You're, you make sure you're, you're clearly identifying what leadership is for you. What are your strengths and leading into that? So I think this is actually a really great book to help people really think about, you know, your leadership approach and all the things that impact and influence that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love that. Well, That's and a good then, book. And I, I will tell you the last chapter is about legacy because, I, mm-hmm. I mean, however good a leader you think you are, you know, the question, as I said earlier, the question is, what did you leave behind? What did you leave behind? And yeah. There's only so much of that that I can impact. I think early on, it, I just pushed the reader to say, you know, if, 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 if someone had a chance to talk to people that were on one of your earlier teams, mm-hmm. what would they say about you? Yeah. If we had a chance to visit the company you used to work uh, for, what are the footprints, fingerprints that you left behind? Mm-hmm. And then, um, so it's a real challenge of, you know, wh- what will people say about you when you're gone? Yeah. Other than that, how could you define your, your legacy? Your legacy, yeah. No, I think that's a great, great book, uh, Greg. I'm looking forward to reading it and writing in it. So I'm going to do the work. You got to mess it up. You got to mess it up. (laughs) Well, Greg, you know, you're doing such great work. How do people reach you? How do they get a hold of you? Yeah, my wife says that you are just so, so easily accessible on LinkedIn and Mm -hmm. Facebook. So so my website is um, www.pinpointconsultinggroup.com. Okay. Pin, like P-E-N-N, point. Mm -hmm. And then um, LinkedIn, 
you know, the hashtag is like Dr. G Pen. Okay. And um, I have a fairly inactive Facebook, same kind of hash point. And I'm just not um, prolific enough on Instagram, but, <laughs> find it. but really it's the website and LinkedIn is probably the easiest places to get, get me. Awesome. So. Uh, Greg, before we let you go, I, I always like to take advantage of uh, the experts that I have on the show and ask, what is one piece of advice that you would have for leaders or organizations this day and age? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I would go back to where we started, which is, uh, you know, understand you have a huge influence, impact, and power, right? And the question for you is, how have you intentionally used mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. And the related question to that is, um, what risk have you taken to move other people to a place that they seem to not want to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I love that the, the concept of really focusing on power and and helping people move out of their comfort zone as well. So I, I appreciate uh, the, that piece of advice, Greg. Always a pleasure talking to you. This has been so much fun. We wow, didn't cover yeah. nearly as much as I would love to. So we'll have to have you come back and chat a bit more. Yeah, you know I'm always around. So I really, I really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you. And you pull out some stuff for me that. Yeah, I'm gonna look. I'm gonna listen to the podcast too. Gonna say, "Dang, that was a pretty good point." <laughs> <laughs> All right, Greg. Oh, thanks, yeah. thanks very much for coming on the show. Uh, All right, bro, to the audience, you. awesome. And to the audience, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time.